come back for the second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. India at home. Lords goes wild. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the 81 All Out podcast. This is Siddhartha Vaidyanathan at Sidvi on Twitter. And I'm uh, joined by two 81 All Out regulars today, Mahesh and Ashoka. Hi, Mahesh. Hi, Ashoka. Hello, Sidvi. Hello. Good to be here. Hi. Hi. Good to be here. Good to uh, have you guys on. Uh, we're going to be talking about the World Test Championship final between New Zealand and India that finished in Southampton. A gripping test that uh, New Zealand won by eight wickets and were crowned the world test champions. Uh, hopefully in what will be a tradition that continues for a long time. And maybe in 2050, we look back and say, we watched uh, New Zealand's uh, victory in the wor- first world test championship final. Uh, uh, that is if we are all around by then, looking at the way the world is going, who knows? Uh, which me- actually brings me to the point uh, that I want to talk about before this podcast is that uh, it's been a really difficult few months for um, everyone in India and uh, you know Indians living all over the world, uh, people with uh, families and friends in India, as well as those who are actually in India and uh, having to face the brunt of COVID and the uh, tremendous challenges that it has brought forth. Uh, we at 81 All Out uh, decided at the end of April, we decided that all the contributions that we get in um, May and June that we will be contributing to COVID relief. We decided to, uh, that it will go to UNICEF, who are doing great groundwork in India. And uh, I want to thank uh, all of you who have contributed to this, uh, who have uh, chipped in. Uh, and as we said that uh, whatever you chip in, we will be matching up to a certain limit. And uh, it's been very heartening to have uh, so many of you uh, you know, coming forth and uh, putting in the money. I know you could have done it. You could have uh, contributed to any charity of your choice. But the fact that you put it in here, uh, it uh, tells us that you really value what we do and you appreciate what we're doing. So, you know, just a few names. I mean, in no particular, for no particular, uh, you know, not because you have contributed more or less, but I just thought that, you know, um, Shushruta, uh, Vijay, uh, Jay Galgali, who was on our podcast, uh, was generous enough to donate. Uh, there was uh, Prasanjit, uh, Srinivasa, uh, Shankar Krishnan, um, KK, who is a regular subscriber. Uh, you have uh, Karwads, uh, Sudhir, Prashant. You know, these are uh, just a few of the names of people who have contributed generously uh, for, to our uh, uh, coffee.com crowdsource venture, that is ko-fi.com. And, uh, you know, you have a few more days to uh, chip in and so whatever contribution comes in till the end of uh, June will be going to UNICEF and we will also be matching it so thank you so much for everything and also thank you for just listening I mean even if you haven't uh, put in any money uh, I know you have been a loyal listener it's been great we recently completed 100 episodes this is in fact uh, episode 101 and uh, yeah I mean it's been a great journey uh, for us, it's been uh, a great uh, learning experience. We've had a char- chance to speak to cricketers, journalists, uh, many uh, you know fans, and just looking at the game from different perspectives has uh, really enhanced our appreciation of the sport. And for me, it's been uh, a terrific uh, journey to come so far. Hopefully, we will have more episodes. Anyway, so back to this one. This we are recording a day after the match in Southampton. And uh, 
you know there was uh, quite a bit of rain around there was a whole days there was a days players lost and quite a bit of um, other play lost as well i think uh, just over 300 overs in the whole match but uh, quite an intense and uh, terrific uh, high quality contest uh, especially the bowling and also some exceptional innings with the bat in conditions that were difficult for batting run scoring was hard there were extended periods where uh, batsmen were not able to get too many boundaries and they also had to you know adjust to the conditions and it was very interesting to watch i mean not the usual uh, you know kind of test match that you may see in the over 5 days but uh, very interesting and uh, great for new zealand to be crowned champions um so yeah ashoka big picture points crucial points the talking points of the match sure i mean uh, good that you said that uh, we are uh, short one person kartikeya tate because uh, he would be bringing up all the relevant points uh, good that he is not here so that we can actually talk some real cricket right so the real cricketing points that uh, me and i'm quite sure that the millions of cricket fans want to know is like can virat kohli be immediately extradited from england and arrested and put in an unmanned cell for the next 50 years this is like a crime against humanity losing a final once again this is kind of a shame for the nation so that needs to be done immediately second thing is that uh, someone needs to teach pujara how to score runs it's been proven statistically like the last 121 years he has not scored a single run third is that i think this is a new zealand conspiracy against uh, india because uh, we vaccinated like 8 million people in a day that is more than the population of new zealand so i think this is kind of the revenge thing that they have done because we were supposed to win this trophy i mean uh, we were supposed to show up in england and they have to give us the trophy in fact it's not even a trophy it is if you see it is a very culturally appropriate symbol for indians the mace it was supposed to come to the indians but uh, because of this conspiracy we are not able to do this and finally the big point that everyone is talking about is that uh, shardul takur was not included in the 15 not even in the 11 so this is a heartbreak for billions of indians and uh, uh, even when the last 3 weeks before uh, when sanjay manjrekar was uh, talking about the greatest of all time he never mentioned shardul so all this is you know the valid point all these are the valid points that we need to talk about the wtc finals i don't know what else we need to talk about uh, is there any cricketing points other than these sidvi no i think uh, everything else is non cricketing i think these are the only purely cricketing points uh, shardul takur yeah absolutely i think um, you know i think we, india has never lost a test when shardul has played right i mean that yes. is just that is enough to pick a player on yeah. uh, that merit i mean just like wish uh, india never lost when um, gundappa vishwanath scored 100 India has never lost when Shardul Thakur has played. So, I mean, what is the what is the argument? Yes, of yeah, course, absolutely. And uh, also in terms of uh, uh, Pujara, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, you know you're very right saying that uh, you know even though he has taken all those blows on the body for all those series. I mean, where are the runs? You know, where hey, the- body body <laughs> blows even you and I can take because we don't know how to bat and face one forty kilometers delivery. That is not a big thing, but scoring <laughs> runs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely i think uh, i think we have said pretty much what uh, many people uh, in on twitter and the indian media have been yes. uh, probably yes. saying but uh, coming back to the point uh, mahesh uh, yeah i mean uh, some big picture thoughts on 
the match, the World Test Championship, and uh, it finishing with this kind of a final, a one-off final. Before Mahesh comes in, just just let me be a little bit serious, okay, and then say about this match. I thought this final was the perfect setting for. you know a crowning moment in test cricket like if you wanted a world test championship final uh, with the rains with what not this is the best thing that could have happened i mean obviously i'm talking in retrospect if you ask me in day 4 i would not have said this but how how the things panned out i thought this is like a great tribute to the game because we are one of the very few sports which are affected by the weather not just when it's not raining even the cloud movements seem to affect the way the game is being played in terms of swing and batting changes and adjustments and what not so weather played its part uh, for a long time there was a possibility of a draw which is very very you know a unique concept in sports itself so that came into play then we had two teams which as you said is the best new zealand team and and i believe this is the best indian test team ever no matter what people say we have gotten the best team ever i mean you may then say no 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 the batting didn't click and this and that and what not but over a period of time we have or i should not say we have v3 didn't do it but bcci kohli and ravi shastri have designed a team which will win at least 60 to 70% of the games that they play and they have enormous bench strength Uh, which run too deep which we saw in the australian tour and combination of these two factors make it like the best time to be an indian fan ever indian test fan ever and we have not had that i mean at least i i have not had that in the 20 25 years that i've been watching cricket i mean some people have been watching it longer than we have and they would admit it freely as well um so i would even go to the extent of saying best time to be a fan of uh, watching test cricket because the quality of bowling across the board i mean uh, this test match is a case in point i mean look at the kind of bowling attacks that these two teams had plus then you were looking at the australian bowling attack who could have uh, been easily coming, in the finals actually who, who could have easily been in the final then you're looking at an england england attack which is also quite uh, deadly in uh, their their own conditions uh, and and england have also done well in south africa and then you have the south african attack that recently won in the west indies uh, which is turning out to be quite a formidable attack in itself you know with yes. uh, and the Nokia west indies and attack with and the west indies attack so Gabriel. so i mean if you are a fan of test cricket this is fast bowling riches you, do you remember when when the world test championship idea was floated and we had one of the podcasts at the time and we were talking about you know how relevant it is and and a lot of the test cricket fans uh, have this view that you don't need to contextualize tests you know they they acquire their own context each series has its own context and, and it follows a historical context on its own and so yeah. on all that is well taken Uh, at that time my view of world test championship was that it's a much needed political sort of solution to ensure that all teams play against each other rather than just the big 3 uh, you know taking away a chunk of the calendar and and uh, you know playing against other opposition at their mercy so to say uh, this was a political step to ensure that even if it's a two match series even if it's a one off test australia is going to host bangladesh australia will you know think of hosting afghanistan and so on and it's it's good for the larger game this was my view uh, it was a fairly cynical view what i meant at that time was that at least it's a political sort of uh, step forward but having seen this whole cycle despite uh, all its problems of you know two test series carrying carrying the same number of points as a five test series and so on not everybody playing home and away and so on plus covid induced sort of constraints 
uh, it's a bit like test cricket itself is the, is that you know it can't be contained you can't say this is test cricket you don't even a test cricketer we don't define who is a good test cricketer who will make for a good test cricketer anybody can be a good test cricketer it could be pant it could be pujara it could be tabri it could be anyone right so that way it, it acquires its own shape and form as it evolves uh, to some extent even wtc seem to have been that like even the final is a good microcosm of the whole concept where you know first they said one off test it's, it's not going to work then they said you're playing in england one off test and it's raining you know to watch a test match especially a test match of that this sort of importance and to also track social media commentary around it is so amusing because the same people who claim to be test cricket fans because it's a true test of character as they say are also so fickle they're saying oh english weather is so bad we should never have another one off test in england one day it rains off then that's it and then one day the bowling is fantastic they'll go like, oh, that's it you know it, it, there's a tendency to get carried away another day rained off so you know it was always possible that there's going to be a result in this match even after the fourth day was rained off it was still possible it was never beyond the realms of possibilities it is not even like those the karachi test or, uh, or the or the adelaide uh, ashes test where you know it for a draw was a foregone conclusion and the match came alive out of nowhere this was always petering out to a point where you know the match could open up and we had a phenomenal final so in that sense i i i got to say that i'm quite happy with with the first iteration of world test championship and given the noise that someone like kohli is making and shastri is making it's also hopefully moving in the right direction because you know all the teams have identified the restrictions of the constraints in the, in the current format and they're talking about a way forward which also means my hope is that it it leads to a more spread out calendar that it's a fairer calendar for all the teams and not just the big 3 and so long as it achieves it i don't care about having a one off final or best of 3 final or having whatever league system or point system i don't care if wc wtc ends up succeeding in creating a fairer calendar to me that has done its job yeah and also i think you know for a for a, one of the things it also adds that extra layer to it right like for a long time winning in australia was like the benchmark like you go and win in australia and then you can say that you are like one of the best world's best teams you go and win in england like at the time when england was strong Uh, in the 70s india went and won there and you could say that india were that was a big achievement right i mean so for a long time it was like where you won and you know of course when you had the great west indies team pakistan went there and they drew a series and that was a huge deal but now it adds this extra, completely extra layer yes new zealand went to australia and they lost the series uh, it was quite a, a you know comprehensive defeat for them there but at the end of the day through the, it came through the cycle and they came to the final and they beat a extremely strong indian side and fair enough i mean you can say have all the ifs and buts there and say that new zealand were in england before and they had that uh, more practice than india everything is okay but at the end of end of it i mean you still have to win a test they won the test they showed how strong they were and so fair enough i mean this is they are crowned the world test champion so i think i think it's a good additional layer to have because historically we have just used winning in a certain venue or winning against certain teams as the yardstick for a good team but now you have this too also it has got the good and bad right like at least people who are now who don't have time for tests they can look at something because it has context and uh, at, I, at, there is hope that newer audience will come in uh, and the proverbial thing of test cricket dying we can shelve that argument for like next 100 150 years 
uh hopefully next because... next 100 next 100 hours you mean before it starts <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> yeah so no a man can dream so i'm saying <laughs> so that there can be good that comes out of this uh for sure uh but i mean uh, speaking about the final itself i i just wanted to say it was a dream final for me at least i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed whatever bowling that was on offer and the batting resistance to it so if there was a ideal final if they had asked me it would not have been too different from this like two teams evenly matched and um the draw was on the table uh, even fighting for a draw is actually part of the test i mean it's not all win and loss as other games like that adds i mean we shouldn't forget sydney 2020 right so uh so so in a way this is like kind of a dream final for me i was really really happy sure as an indian fan supporting india so uh it's slightly disappointing that we lost but uh we throw the match away it was like it was very very intense for at least 95% of it the last 5% we knew that and even then i mean the bowlers were not wavering of their lengths i mean kane and ross taylor till the last run was scored they had to work for their runs and that is the kind of you know game that you would want to see in a final and you know i would say paisa vasul boss no one the intensity of the match it's probably one of the most intense test matches i've seen in my life i mean i could probably think of five other tests in which the quality of bowling was so good right through the test and on top of it the sheer variety of skills on display ashwin had a great test in which you know he had pretty much little very little to work with uh, jameson had a great test and he didn't start off great right i mean if you remember after the first day i mean it's a bit confusing because first day was rained off the first day of play which is day 2 there was quite a bit of criticism about i wouldn't say criticism but there was quite a bit of chatter around the lengths that uh, that new zealand bowled and and how they should have bowled fuller and and the next day they turn up and they had you know they had done their homework more importantly even on the first day when they didn't get this their length spot on they still had so much control that they didn't let india get away too far ahead in terms of scoring uh, and then they were able to correct their length and instantaneously reap the rewards for it and you had you had such variety of skills within the new zealand bowling attack itself between saudi and bolton jameson and and you add the indian bowlers in fact you know there was quite a bit of chatter about indian bowlers not getting as much uh, out of the conditions as the new zealand bowlers did and they didn't get the ball to swing as much and and part of it was was explained away as the style of the bowlers they they're more hit the deck kind of bowlers and therefore they didn't get as much out of it uh, that that is that's one of the factors but even when you know indian bowlers did not get the, you know get, get the perfect length and even when they were not getting as much movement as, as let's say the new zealanders did they still exhibited so much control that that they were in the game for so long even i mean uh, kane williamson had to bat out of his skin to be able to squeeze out a lead for new zealand so even when indians were suboptimal so to say to the extent that you can call it suboptimal at all they still had so much control so that this level of control i i mean it's very very hard for me to think of like i said i can probably think of five tests in my life that's about it i think uh, crickwiz had that stat right there was only there have only been six tests uh, since 2006 since when they have data where you know the uh, chances of the number of chances created has been uh, more than this basically where the bowling has dominated the batting to this extent 
in terms of uh, the how much the ball has beaten the bat and how much it has taken the edge etc so uh, and to bat in these conditions has its own i mean it's it's like tremendous to even watch uh, i mean it's it's tremendous to bat, watch bowling in these conditions of course but it's also great that it brings out the best in the batsman to you know the way williamson you spoke about the first innings i mean the soft hands and the way he was actually the lateness with which he was playing the ball and even when he was getting the edge it was just going slightly short of slip and the the some of the drives that he had those straight batted shots oh my god i mean this was like straight out of a textbook right this is how you coach batting i mean if if any person was watching to uh, trying to understand how to bat in challenging conditions i mean that kane williamson innings was was it you watch every ball of it over and over again like if you if you look at uh, the way kohli sort of negotiated the first innings versus uh, williams and negotiated both innings for that matter it's so remarkably contrasting right kohli batted out of his crease he opened up his stance and he kind of caught himself in a in a place where he couldn't really score the back foot as much as he would ideally do and he still you know essentially that was there was a the tweak right he was tweaking his batting to survive the conditions to survive the quality of bowling and williamson on the other hand did the opposite he bagged his natural game to to you know get him through now it's hard to say which one was better right you could argue that kohli was so uh, so nimble to to kind of change his game at such short notice for specific conditions and still succeed uh, and williamson bagged himself you could you could go both ways but my point is that it it still celebrated the different ways of approaching a particular problem if if batting in these conditions are difficult how do you do that williamson showed that you you bat deep and you wait for the ball to come to you and you play it as late as you can kohli did the opposite said if if ball moving around is the problem let me cut the extent of the move by batting forward by going as far as i can if i can if i can't score as freely because of that that's fine i'm willing to gamble that uh, rahane to some extent did that in fact a lot of the indian batsmen did that right so even the approach to batting uh, in such tough conditions was great but it was great because of the different ways in which different batsmen went about it so in that sense it was a it was a great exhibition for the variety of bowling skills as well as uh, the different approaches that batsmen took to negate the conditions yeah kane is a technical master when it comes to tests and even he right he, he made 100 runs in two innings i mean that is by far the most in this test match but uh he batted like at least 5 hours in the first first innings and like 2 3 hours in the second innings even he was troubled endlessly by bumrah right I, and if you look at the uh, scorecard you would say bumrah is the least effective among bowlers but bumrah bowled flat out i mean he was going for wickets and he troubled at least 8 to 9 times in the first innings alone that i'm saying uh, the ball could have caught the outside edge of williamson because he was you know uh, solving for not being lbw that's what his approach is based on playing very close to the body i mean protecting his uh, uh, um, pads and stumps so he could have been nicked off at any one of those times and contrast if you see uh, when kohli was lbw to jamison in the first innings i heard the commentary uh, uh, i think it was athers i think who said uh, this is just the seventh ball bowled by jamison which would have hit the stump so uh, so it was a it was a match of very very fine margins and um, both 
Kohli and Williamson. I mean, we should not forget Rahane, who played really well in the first innings. And uh, even though the scorecard doesn't justify it, I think Pujara held his ground for as long as he did in the first innings. He was playing. He was looking very solid as well. So the batting was very, very good in response to phenomenal bowling. And uh, thank God it was I because even Conway. Conway was uh, Conway was very good. Conway well. and Latham, yes, surely, surely. Conway and Latham, Conway uh, more than Latham, I would say, uh, uh, was you know, even they were getting beaten quite a lot, and it looked like wicket. I mean, every over looked like there is there is a potential of a wicket there, and to battle all that out and uh, you know uh, make the match as intense as it was. I mean, it was just brilliant, brilliant to watch. Sorry, we we forgot some name, I guess. <laughs> okay. Of course, we, have, we, we were no, waiting, we didn't we forget it. We didn't forget <laughs> no, no, okay. it. I so mean... Actually, I w- I wanted to uh, bring this point up, not so much in the context of Rohit, uh, but but talking of the the quality of bowling and 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 the you know batting kind of trying to negotiate that quality of bowling and so on. Even the commentary was top notch for most part. There were some exceptions, of course, and one of the comments that uh, that Nazar made. very casually in, in in not not even like a sharp observation or whatever in a very casual sort of line he said in england you you survive on the front foot and you score runs on the back foot you know and i mean that was his response to a lot of indian batsmen sort of batting out of the crease and opening up their stands and so on so i was thinking about it so if you if you look at it even if a lot of the indians were playing the from their natural sort of uh, stance uh, around the crease off the back foot most of the indian batsmen are good on one side So Rahane is a, is a better cutter than Pula. Kohli is a better puller than Kata. Uh, Gill is a is a good puller, but probably quite fluent, but not as good a cutter. So Rohit is actually the only guy who cuts as well as he pulls, and that showed even in the in the two short innings that he had, particularly the first innings. That even in fact Rohit also did something similar, right? He was also batting way out of the crease, and especially when Bolt was bowling, he also had opened up his stance. But even when he was doing that. he was always alive to the opportunities when the ball was, ball was shot and and he, he was quick to rock back and punch both uh, i mean primarily on the offside because he didn't get too many shot balls uh, but even when he got the shot balls he was able to pull along the ground and he rolled his wrist this time uh, so that, i think there was a great point that nazar made and to some extent to the extent that uh, that that i had some doubts about the indians approach is this right that uh, that when you tweak a technique you're also you're always going to get something and give up something and and part of the reason why kohli found himself in that no man's land for a couple of the three quarter length balls is also that right because he he was just too forward for him to rock back and not forward enough even when you're standing so far outside so that way it was a fascinating thing to watch and it is quite beautifully explained in the commentary for most part as well yeah and and the thing with this new zealand attack i mean which was very apparent which has been apparent for a while but was even more apparent this time is that you are facing like every single over you're facing like a different angle you're facing a different uh, trajectory i mean you have jameson coming and delivering from probably like 8 to 9 uh, feet you know given his height and then you have bolt coming from that left arm over the wicket angle then you have wagner coming sometimes from left arm round the wicket going like really wide i mean that ball that uh, got jadeja in the second innings i mean he goes uh, round the wicket bowl short 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 into the body and then he gets that 
really wide angle. I mean, it was almost like a no ball of the side crease, but he, he was within. And then he straightens it. I mean, these are the kind of challenges that you're facing as a batsman. Like you have Saudi coming and, you know, with that perfect outswinger, outswinger, getting it in, but much more skiddier, right? And then you have uh, uh, Jameson coming at that uh, angle. I mean, how it's such a challenge to face these four together and over after over after over you're being given like it's like you're giving getting challenge after challenge and this is this is the quality of the bowling you're facing so you know to even think of blaming a batsman for the one mistake that he makes which gets him out is come on I mean, what is this it is just ignoring the 20 other balls that set him up for that mistake right that yeah is- and the 20 other challenges that he has overcome I mean, you have you overcome like twenty challenges. You make like uh, you know the you may get to a get to a start, and then you have this ball that you get that you get out. But you, I mean, if you are going to blame the batsman for that, then that your view of uh, cricket itself is quite narrow. Then you you would want cricket to be like the EA cricket sport uh, video game rather than you know what happens in real life. I mean, this is the problem with teams getting better. I mean, you're. Un, your expectations which were already unreasonable and uh, does not equate in the cricket field now becomes even more unreasonable right like now now they want uh, we have got the bowling we we take like 250 i mean a wicket every 25 runs or 48 balls that is basically now the de facto thing among indian bowlers now once that is done now you, what what is there next to complain about and then the complaint is about oh this guy doesn't score runs that guy scores i mean that guy is too aggressive this guy doesn't move his feet this that and the other i mean come on man or, we have a top or pick <laughs> or you or you pick these narrow filters i mean i saw some ridiculous uh, tweet saying that uh, you know what is bumrah's average outside australia and west indies or something I'm like no, this, no <laughs> that's the funniest thing so yesterday i kind of tweeted about uh, the bowlers and their averages uh, in the world te- um, world test championship indian bowlers so bumrah has taken around 30 or 35 odd wickets 35 to 39 wickets uh, at an average of 25 and strike rate of 55 right for if you tell any bowler in international cricket that this is going to be your strike rate and average they'll just take it and just walk off this is just great figures uh, but just because umesh and ishant and shami are and ashwin are striking at uh, at a very few runs and a very few balls what the comments that were there for that tweet is bumrah has been mediocre this world t- uh, world test championship and that has cost us i mean 25 average and 55 strike rate is not mediocre if that is mediocre then i think 10 15 bowlers would be you know considered bowlers everybody else would be mediocre i mean kapil would be mediocre by that standards I mean, <laughs> that's what you're yeah, saying mean, then i mean no, i mean no, you mean munaf will be munaf will be mediocre also <laughs> so one is the sort of really microfilters problem uh, the other problem is also that uh, is that you know when when cricketers make choices they are making choices based on some sort of a risk reward right they are like i know this is what i'm getting and i know this is what i could possibly lose like even when it comes to the the talk on the length that indian bowlers bowl right uh, a lot of the talk was about why they were bowling so much of good length the, the standard english length when the more rewarding length was a fuller length it, but but it's not like they are not aware of it. there are two components to that one is is the ability to change the length i mean a jamison could do it easily but uh, someone like ishan sharma took a took a i mean it nearly destroyed his career before he could resurrect it 
uh, it's one thing to bowl full, but to bowl full with potency is not an easy sort of technical change to make. In fact, there was a beautiful, very sort of micro segment that uh, that Bishop did about uh, about Bumrah and why he's not able to bowl fuller, and he highlights the point of his release, and and he argues that he should release it from a slightly uh, high, higher point rather than what he was uh, delivering it from, and that margin is so thin, so small, and especially for someone like Bumrah, who's who's sort of that arm action is so quick between loading and and sort of releasing. Is this That's the is this the, uh, uh, the thing where you were saying if you wanted to swing and if you wanted to bowl short, uh, there is a like a, uh, I would say 15 to 16 centimeters in the delivery release point. Is that the one that you're saying? No, he, he, was, I mean, he, was, he was holding the ball and showing like if you deliver it higher, you, you got a better chance of swinging. Whereas if you deliver it in further down, I mean, you'll get short of the length. Is that is that the thing that Bishop was explaining? Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly the point. He wasn't talking so much about the swing part. He did highlight that as well, but he was talking more about how to adjust the length. And that comes from the point of delivery. And that's one thing to recognize and another thing to work on. And it takes time. But my point is, even when Bumrah was not at his best, he, he was still exerting so much control. Let's say, for instance, Bumrah could decide to bowl fuller. It will come with a cost. When you bowl fuller, when you're searching for swing, see, the good thing about some of these bowlers, particularly Ishant, is he can swing the ball. But when you're searching for swing, you got to bowl fuller, more attacking lines. And when, you know, when the contest is so close, you don't want to let go of that control. So it's a conscious choice that bowlers have made that that they're, they're bowling good length so that they give themselves a chance of taking wicket without leaking too many runs. Now, is that a good choice? I don't know. You could argue that they would have uh, been more rewarding, more rewarded had they bowled fuller, but it's still a risk-reward choice. It's not something that they have not thought about. It's just that they've chosen one thing. And, and you have to take it in context of the score that the team has put up, right? 217, you don't have much of a cushion to, you know, attack that much i mean you can't go flat out attack there is a there is a theory that says if you go flat out attack you may get 10 wickets before your opposition reach 150 or what not very good in theory but the opposition also has great batsmen and the and the the, the penalty that you pay for taking that approach is that you you'd be staring at 250 for two in like uh, 80 overs of that flat out attack and then and then it's like uh, almost uh, you know impossible for you to work back into your match i mean so the, the and also France... it's the tactic that worked great for them in australia right i mean this is pretty much what they did through that australia series i mean you make sure that you keep the runs down you keep the batsman on a leash and then you work on the wickets i mean that's uh, that's what they've been doing and uh, i see no reason why they shouldn't continue that method of course there there will be ways in which they will fine tune and over the next uh, five tests i'm sure they will find a way to uh, get wickets as well as keep the runs down. I mean, that is the ultimate aim. But, uh, you know, these are all like, uh, you're talking, like, as you said, in centimeters. I mean, you, it's like a 10 centimeter difference in the point of release can make a difference here. And this is the kind of calibration and control that these guys are coming with. So what are, what are you even talking about? I mean, that's, yeah. this is something to marvel at. Uh, Bumbra, the first eight overs he bowled in the first innings, I think he gave away 30 runs. And then the next 10 overs, I think he gave away eight runs. I think 11 overs, he gave away eight runs. And he was at it consistently. I mean, he, he didn't pick wickets. I mean, you can see the result and say, yeah, among, among the bowlers, he was mediocre. I mean, come on, did you watch the match? What happened in the 11 over spell, 12 over spell? He gave nothing away. And... And that helped Shami at the other end to pick wickets, right? Like, because runs has to come from somewhere. This guy is not giving it. 
someone i mean they take risks against the other bowler and wickets come there and that is kind of you know uh, and it's you... a case in point with new zealand as well right see when wagner is bowling Correct. i mean wagner is basically giving you that kind of uh, control from one end with his length that he's bowling and he is basically attacking the body he is giving you that uh, length to attack the body so the bowler who is bowling from the other end be jameson or saudi or bolt then has that luxury to then go all out and then go for you know that full length and go for the wickets because he knows that okay even like getting hit for a four or so wagner is going to come and lock it up at the other end so this is the this is the beauty of that bowling in tandem as well yeah and that that essentially means that as a batsman you have nowhere to hide i was tweeting it like the on the second or third day that giving the first hour to the bowler is all well and good if the first change and the second change are are going to be as fierce then you have nowhere to hide that's it it's session after session in a session you can get three bad balls which even if you are lucky you can put it away even if you hit hit it for two or three or you are wasted chances that's it you are not going to get much more than that and that was true in this test for almost you know all sessions i mean new zealand didn't give anything away in any session that they bowled india too you can say that in a session there was 117 runs but see how many wickets fell for new zealand like six wickets fell i think six or five wickets fell so there is a cost to scoring fast and that is the point of it i mean can you score without losing wickets uh, is ultimately you know that is like the holy grail of batting and can you attack and take wickets without uh, giving away runs that's the holy grail of bowling and both teams attempted at it and very nearly pulled it off and that's what makes it you know a great final if you look at the way pant played you can argue like i mean the, the st- constant sort of uh, solution for all these things is that you got to get out of your shell you got to break the shackles and you got to you know take some chances in fact even kohli alluded to that at the end of the match that we sh- we should you know balance out the risk and reward and so on but when the when the bowling is so good it, it is i mean to, uh, sorry to invoke a uh, uh, market's language here but it is an efficient market if you if you are not defending good balls you are essentially taking disproportionate chances and when when someone like pant did it for instance uh, his dismissal in the second innings in uh, evoked some strong reactions but he did the same thing against neil wagner uh, earlier in the innings where he went down the wicket and hit a four through mid off the same thing he stepped down again it caught an outside edge and went to third man for boundary and the third time when he tried to do it he got out so it it is not like but that particular shot was bad risk you know that's the game he was playing and one of them ha- will result in 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 a dismissal like that especially in conditions like that and that's that's essentially the risk reward sort of choice he took Like for him, take... that is the percentage cricket. I mean, playing, going for shot is his percentage cricket. Just like, I mean, defense is how how defense is Pujara's percentage and Kane Williamson's percentage. For Rishabh Pant, going for shot is the percentage cricket because he doesn't. His game is not built around solid defending all day. His game is built around attacking the bowling, hitting them off their length, and then picking you know uh, bowlers apart. That's his game, and he has to he has to play to his percentage. and that's what he did i think fair enough by now it is pretty clear that uh, pant is not just standing and blindly swinging or just charging for the heck of charging right i mean he there is a clear method to what he's doing i mean through the australia series through the england series at home irrespective of the bowlers that he was taking on or the lengths that he was taking on the line that he is he is doing things that because he is backing himself to score runs 
when the bowler is bowling in a certain way. I mean, this is not... People are still making it appear as if Vishap Pant is some guy who just goes out there, closes his eyes and swings. I mean, come on. Look at his... He's averaging... First of all, he's averaging 70-plus in the fourth innings, man. I mean, in this bowling era, to average anything remotely close to that in the fourth innings is uh, phenomenal. And he's proven as a test commodity. He's uh, shown across conditions that he can score. So, give the guy a break. I mean, of course, he will get out. Of course, there will be... And first of all, this was a phenomenal catch to get out also. But, okay, it was a mistimed and it, it, the ball didn't do this thing. But the, the same the same uh, one, one inch here or there, the ball could have gone for four. So, it's I don't think we should be looking at Rishabh Pant as a novice anymore. I mean, that, that time is all far gone. You could have said all that in his early uh, debut series or something like that when he came in. But he's now well into the zone of being like a very good test batsman. Uh, and he knows, he, he he's doing things because there's a logic to it. He's not doing things because it's just there. And there was also a very, very good micro-segment uh, the, on the final day about Rishabh Pant's defence. And uh, I think it was uh, one of the commentators, I think it was Bishop again, who pointed out that irrespective of all that he's doing, coming out of the track to Wagner, doing this to the bowlers, there is also like a clear solidity that he has developed. And, you know, that has been en enhanced over time. I mean, this is not uh, something, he's definitely worked on it. You can see that he's got much more solid when it comes to the good length balls that's, that are targeted at the stumps. And he's going for the balls that are, uh, you know, not uh, at the stumps. He's going for the balls that are wide. He's going for balls that are uh, short and that are going to miss the stumps anyway. And he's backing himself. So, I see nothing wrong with Rishabh Pant. I mean, he's uh, he's probably the, one of the best batsmen we have. Like, you know, even like the Kohli dismissal or, or Rohit Sharma dismissal in the first innings, for instance. If you just watch that dismissal, it's, it's very easy for you to sit back and say, oh, he should not have, he should not have even played it. But it doesn't work like that. You've got this... Giant of a man with, with a box full of tricks coming in front of you and bowling ball after ball after ball. So you're looking at surviving the whole spell, not just that one particular ball. It's not like that ball has your wicket written on it and you just have to avoid it. If, if a Kohli is caught you know, in a no man's land, it's also because he was prepared to play a particular ball which didn't come. Uh, or even Rohit Sharma for that matter was drawn to the ball wider because he had a template of how to handle his most sort of potent balls, right? And that's and, and, uh, he And by not playing in the second innings, that also got him in trouble. So, uh, I'm saying there's no one way well, to that, play. That was I so mean. beautifully set up, right? Even the second innings dismissal was a masterclass from Saudi, right? He, yeah. he just, you know, he kept bowling outside and getting the ball to move away. Not only did he get to move, move back in, but so sharply. So, even if, I mean, to, to the extent that, that I read, I don't think he missed the direction of the ball as much as the extent of the, the moving back in, which is what caught him uh, not offering a shot. So, I, I don't know. I, I look back at all the wickets. I can't really see. Perhaps, you know, like... Ashwin Rahane, in second... Rahane in the first innings, I thought that was slightly... He could have thought... Yeah, because the field was just before that ball. There was like a short mid-wicket set and he just scooped it right to the... Fielder. I mean, he could have, you know, focused a little bit there, but that's a mistake. That's a true mistake. But you will always, as a batsman, you'll always make that those kind of mistakes. I mean, you can say, okay, fine. There's some sort of possible feedback there, 
like if you are a coach you might go and say that but i'm saying as a fan there's nothing to look at that's the kind of error that a batsman will always make and and you, perhaps you know like once let's say pant was dismissed ashwin went for the extra wicket drive when he could have probably played for time that's probably the only thing otherwise you there's no like shami should have played the way he did that was his best option bumrah actually tried to defend and it it, it was a beauty so there, there's really nothing to look at here and also the nature of the match meant that you know uh, scoring runs was actually a good tactic for both winning as well as drawing like because runs translate to time right and so by india getting uh, by india trying to score quick they were actually you know giving themselves a good chance to even draw the match if it came to it i mean it so happened that uh, the they lost uh, the lower order pretty quickly but uh, you know the i don't think there was even a i don't think it would have been a good option to just try and stonewall because number one you're facing a exceptional bowling attack who is going to uh, get that good ball at you anyway and it's not like you can uh, stonewall your way through a whole session that is this is not the kind of pitch and conditions that would have allowed you to do that and secondly it's like okay if you get uh, 50 more runs it means that you're getting an additional one hour of time that you're saving so Actually, i thought uh, that was yeah. a good way to go but the match was lost in the first in first uh, session of last day 6 when we lost kohli rah uh, kohli pujara rahane in a session i think that was that i mean not necessary i mean i still think that you know with uh, you know india's uh, i mean pant jadeja and all have, and ashwin have done quite well to actually push it i mean of course in hindsight you can say even 50 more runs couldn't have made a difference williamson and ross taylor finished it off early all that is fine but i think india could have given them a chance given themselves a chance with a target of say 220 or something sure i mean i'm not disputing that i'm not saying that pant jadeja and uh, ashwin are not capable of it but uh, with the amount i mean with the bowling on display i thought i mean as you said once we lost three people who could uh, grind out for time who had the capability and have shown it the option left to the rest of the people i was to score runs i mean that was the only viable option and to score runs meant you took risks and to take risks meant either it will come off spectacularly or it won't in this case it didn't and that is the kind of position you know this match pushed india to i and that's what i felt once rahane i mean second innings dismissal is also if you if you are being uncharitable you can say rahane i mean strangled down the leg was uh, but then you know uh, he saw an opportunity to tickle it down for four that's a rare ball in this match so uh, so yeah once those three got out i felt oh this is not going to be easy is what i felt at least uh, rahane uh, pant was the last hope for me after that i felt okay now this is going to be interesting yeah and at the strangling down the leg is also uh, coming down to also the angles right i mean you you're facing such variety of bowling that suddenly you get this ball that is going down like i mean the natural tendency of any batsman is to go for a flick and then it so happens that you get the edge and it goes i mean it is not uh, it is not as careless as you would you know say such a dismissal is like in say uh, a flat indian wicket where you know you can say he needn't have even tried that or whatever but in these sort of conditions this is what you do you try to look for runs in all whenever you get a chance and 
it it so happened that okay you got it and that thing about that was it also seemed probably slightly planned because bolt delivered the ball and bj watling was already up and down the leg side and he took the ball to his right actually i mean down the leg side you keeper usually takes it to his left but this guy is taking it low to his right i mean that's how early he went so it it sometimes these things are planned also so you're saying dilhara fernando method of getting wickets is now uh... is an established method of getting wickets <laughs> no it's not it's not something Dil- to be mocked at no 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 not at all not at all and and dilhara fernando anyway you wouldn't mock i mean he is a legendary uh, legend i am not mocking yeah, him i'm just invoking <laughs> his name because uh, i think uh, 90% of his deliveries were down the leg if it was not wide it was strangled down the leg wickets and 90% <laughs> of his deliveries are actually no balls uh, addition to being down the wicket now that is a my god the kind of faith that uh, arjuna had in him Oh man, it was like it was almost like he felt he was the next great Sri Lankan bowler kind of I, thing. That's how much. I, but, yeah. but if, if your history is uh, Vikramasinghe and uh, and uh, Chaminda was later, you will get excited about Dilara Fernando. There's no. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we are talking to Munaf fans here, so of course, yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well played. He was the Sri Lankan Munaf. Okay, that that was a joke. Yeah, uh, Karthikeya will personally come and I think uh, assault me if he hears this. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah, I think we've spoken uh, quite a bit about the match. We've covered it. I mean, I want to touch on the final chase, though. I mean, we shouldn't miss out the fact that uh, you know it was still nowhere easy for New Zealand. They made it look easy, but uh, it was it was. Uh, quite a joy to watch that uh, partnership uh, williamson and uh, thing we we'll talk a bit about ashwin as well i mean uh, given all that uh, uh, you know given the conditions and given what he was up against uh, that uh, little spell on the in the final innings was uh, beautiful to watch um, even in the first innings but uh, you know the dismissing the left handers um, in the final innings and also that partnership i think we should talk about it because uh, you know Taylor and Williamson, right? I mean, it, there was a certain poignancy to see them finish it off, to be there in the end. Taylor probably uh, not is not going to be there for too much longer. I'm imagining. I won't even be surprised if he announces his retirement. I mean, he has of course said it won't be immediate, but who knows? And uh, so, and of course, Williamson. I mean, that's like the emblematic of the New Zealand side, right? Unfortunate, I, I was, uh, unfortunate Dinesh. phrase of wording from Dinesh Karthik. He said it's ironic that these two people are there. Maybe he ironic. meant iconic. <laughs> he said ironic. I thought he meant iconic, but I think yeah, that that was the only blemish in that partnership. <laughs> no, the other blemish was the catch, but uh, which basically Pujara Pujara basically said, okay, uh, I will take it in and I will take it out. I was really I mean, happy for Ross. Not that it made a big difference, but yeah, I think yeah, it I mean, made I... a big difference. Uh, one, I think you know, like in this whole sort of story about New Zealand's rise, one of the things that really irritates me a lot is is the extraordinary amount of importance given to McCallum and 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 his role in this rise of New Zealand. And uh, and as and and I'm saying this as as a person who actually thought the move to dump Taylor uh, Ross Taylor and appoint McCallum was not good. and like when he scored that 100 in in colombo during in the middle of the controversy i was so happy for him so oh that this, was a terrific 100 yeah terrific 100 yeah. right and and you, you can see that the man was seething and and he comes home and he doesn't make it to the next trip and and he's one of the nicest guys so you like you know you felt sorry for him and at that time i don't think i had the best of opinions about mcclum as well 
so the, this whole story kind of revolves around okay there was this new zealand team from martin crow and then you know this and they were down in the dumps and 45 all out and all out for 45 this. yeah and michaelum said this and whatever i am so i'm happy to read that story these are stories that must be written they feel good whatever but in this whole thing you know the the whole transition from michaelum to williamson comes out beautifully but somehow rosco gets lost in all this and uh, and for someone who's such an integral it's like he's as important a pillar of new zealand batting as uh, as in fact martin crow was i would say uh certainly bigger than than mckellum so i was really happy that he was there and one of the things like you know even in the chase like you mentioned ashwin was bowling beautifully he had the ball on a string and uh, and he had two wickets to boot so he was really confident as well and and that the, close lbw review with williamson could have been yeah, yeah, with williamson yeah. Yeah, which was actually given out and and reversed later so he, there was quite a bit of momentum for for ashwin and he was bowling quite beautifully and that's when rosco took his chance right he generally goes for the slog sweep but instead of the slog sweep he actually goes with a straight bat but pretty much the same shot that made ashwin bowl slightly wider because he knew that if he bowls straight he's going to go for it again and then he cover drives him again and that kind of released the pressure quite a lot those two boundaries released the pressure quite a lot so i i was really really happy for him as much as i am happy for ken williamson uh, ashoka might believe he's undersung but uh, unsung or whatever but i mean people have yeah, rostellers probably even more on song <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean he, he's, he's still in prose i don't think song and uh, poems have, <laughs> he's still in prose yeah i mean there are varying degrees of uh, uh, unsungness in the new zealand team right you have to at one stream is bj watling uh, who is basically made a name for being unsung so that is that is his legacy bj watling means people will say yeah unsung sung and then williamson is at the sorry, slightly middle like he's sung but unsung and then you have uh, you know yeah so all that unsungness uh, we can do an unsungness scale uh, but uh, yeah i mean i and that's a good point about uh, ross taylor because uh, you know if, uh, the thing with new zealand also is that a lot of their cricket is defined by that captaincy right i mean it is almost like you have the uh, crow era you have the uh, howarth era you have the you know the fleming era nikalam era every every new zealand team is almost shaped by the image of its captain and so mccallum had this image and then the fact that he wanted them to play a cricket in a certain way and be the and not be the bad guys all that also shapes that whole era i mean every story you read about mccallum or new zealand over the last 10 years will have that bit right about how he wanted uh, new zealand to play that way that death of Phil- philip hughes and then that 45 uh all out and 45 all out by the way somebody can start a podcast if you want uh, that is just just for uh throwing it out there but the one and a uh, half new zealanders who are listening to this please <laughs> yeah i mean indians can also start man why only new zealanders indians can also start in tribute to new zealand because there are a lot of uh, i'm noticing quite a bit of new zealand fans also in india now it, it used to be our most- second favorite team as as everybody seems to say these days yeah and i think i mean on a tangential point i think uh, you know with uh, the whole thing of the big 3 and uh, test, uh, cricket being now uh, clearly uh, uh, between the big 3 and the small 6 i think it's also great if you know fans from india australia and england adopt other teams and you know for, adopt as in follow them seriously follow the domestic cricket watch out for those who are coming through tweet about it write about it blog about it whatever i mean because the countries themselves i mean new zealand and west indies are countries where 
the media coverage has gone down considerably in cricket the tv tv rights are also not as valuable so as fans as universal cricket fans i mean it would be a great help if there are people you know irrespective of where you are sitting whether it's in india or in england or whatever if you decide to seriously follow a team and then you actually publicize what is happening and come out with uh, you know uh, something on your own platform i think it's a good way forward for uh, bridging a bit of the gap as well for people to understand that there is more than the big 3 and that there's a lot more happening in cricket sure, but uh, there are, if there can be 10 million aussie fans in chennai i'm sure there's scope for 100000 <laughs> first of all first of all rcb and csk have to buy out all new zealand players then you see the support for new zealand it will skyrocket i mean uh, new zealand actually uh, csk has quite a serious uh, new zealand component there especially with fleming he has yeah. got quite a number of uh, kiwis to play saudi for saudi right? csk ah saudi uh, this fellow that's been a santna Santner is uh, yeah CSK yeah of course CSK and then uh, even Jameson uh, is RCB of course yeah. uh, Bolt is uh, MI we don't talk yeah. about MI but <laughs> so <laughs> so no but but, but uh, in terms of uh, yeah I was bringing a point about captaincy and New Zealand and all that so yeah I think you know Taylor given his captaincy stint and given what happened and all that it's almost like you know he is that missing link. like it's almost like dravid in india right i mean dravid's captaincy is basically okay this this happened this happened world cup chapel over but then it is like the ganguly ra dhoni ra this era that era so it's uh, it's unfortunate that these things happen that just one i mean the fact that you were not captain the fact that you were captain but that doesn't mean that you didn't have a instrumental role in shaping what has happened with this side and the results that have come forth right so um yeah and and the other thing is that this is also great i also feel great that new zealand won this because you know they have been a terrific side over the last uh, you know 6 7 years i mean to, they entered they entered two world cup finals in odis the they nearly won one i should should have been joint winners in 2019 if not for that rule uh they've done well in all conditions in tests i mean as i said apart from if you take out australia which unfortunately they had a bad tour but other than that you know they have been exceptional across conditions um and it's also like the end of a cycle for them in some way right i mean bj watling is retiring uh bolt and ross taylor who knows how much more time they have to play and then they have all these you know a couple of youngsters coming in jameson of course has been terrific conway has come in and made such an impression it's it's good that this was a good timing as well for them to win such a thing because of course they could have won something 2 years later they could have won some world cup this that but it's almost like uh, this is like a good phase good transition phase for yeah. the old to move on yeah. and the new to come in yeah yeah looks like 2011 india story correct yeah similar to that i mean it's it feels good it feels good that new zealand won uh, at yeah, this time course. and yeah so and yeah. I, i don't think anyone can i mean i i don't know if there are new zealand haters or not i hope there are not because there is nothing to hate about this team <laughs> unless you maybe tim pen maybe yeah, tim yeah, pen is a new zealand hater <laughs> no you forgot brad hadden oh that fellow yeah they are too yeah, nice yeah. he said no yeah. yeah yeah correct correct he finds it nauseating okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, yeah, I think uh, this was good. We've covered good uh, ground. There's lots of uh, cricket coming up. India play five tests. Will be in England. Will be a very interesting series. Will be good to watch. If the bowling is anywhere close to what we saw in this test, then I mean you can't take your eyes off. And England have a equal. I mean a terrific attack for these conditions. They have been very hard to beat at home, um, especially for India. I mean India haven't won a series there since 2007. and uh, this is like a golden chance for that and i'm really looking forward to that series um yeah any final thoughts guys i think it was just perfect it was fantastic in the sense it was fantastic in the sense that it it, it was uh, like i said you know it had its breaks it had its cynicism all the cynicism around whether you know we'll get a test at all and uh, and the fact that that is one of test a good sort of way to finalize a winner and all that I think the contest went past all that. Even if you were not interested in any of the nonsense, even if you are the most cynical person about World Test Championship, even if you believe Ashes is the pinnacle of cricket or Border Gavaskar is the pinnacle of cricket, you had to surrender yourself to this. The quality of contest was just superlative. Yeah, I think uh, this this was good. Uh, we'll wrap it up, and uh, for those who uh, hopefully we will uh, we'll definitely have uh, quite a bit planned for the next few months. Uh, hopefully, we can join for do reviews of the England Tests. and uh, we'll also have um, memory series and uh, other kind of chats with writers and hopefully cricketers in the coming months as well uh, thank you so much for joining thank you mahesh thank you ashoka and stay Thanks, safe Ibi. yeah yeah hopefully all of you are healthy and stay safe and we we'll see you soon that brings us to the end of another episode of the 81 all out podcast if you enjoy the work we do please support us via coffee.com that's k o hyphen f i dot com slash eighty one all out. You can find the link in the show notes, and it will allow you to either set up a recurring monthly payment or throw in a one time contribution. Also, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you prefer. It would be great if you could leave a rating and a review so that more people can find us. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on the work we do. So please send us your feedback. India at home, Lords goes wild. <laughs>